Welcome to the Fastest Five Minutes, presented by Kroll and Mooring. We are your co-hosts for this edition, Peter Ayer and Yuan Zhou, bringing you a bi-weekly summary of significant government contracts, legal and regulatory developments that no government contracts lawyer or executive should be without. We're also joined today by our colleague, Olivia Lynch, who's going to talk about some really important developments pertaining to SBA's 8A program. Yuan's going to get us started with a couple of updates. Thanks, Peter. First, on July 28th, President Biden issued Executive Order 14104 on federal research and development in support of domestic manufacturing and U.S. jobs, which requires certain federal agencies to emphasize domestic manufacturing in research and development agreements, contracts, and plans. The EO also directs certain agencies to use both OTAs and the CIBR and STTR programs to support the production of leading edge and new technologies. Next, on August 17th, the DOD issued a final rule implementing Section 803 of the NDAA for fiscal year 2022. The final rule adds DFAR subpart 212.70 Defense Commercial Solutions Opening to allow contracting officers to use a CSO to obtain innovative solutions or potential capabilities that fulfill requirements to close capability gaps or provide innovative technological advancements and when meaningful proposals with varying technical or scientific approaches can be reasonably anticipated. Now these CSOs are a bit like broad agency announcements, but have broader application. Back to you, Peter. Thanks, Yuan. Next up is a interesting GAO protest. So let me give you a little bit of background. On August 16th, GAO dismissed a protest as untimely because the company's prior correspondence with the agency was deemed an agency level protest despite such prior correspondence not being labeled or intended as an agency protest. So the company, it's called Nixoff, submitted a proposal to the Library of Congress on June 15th. Nixoff then received notification that its proposal was not included in the competitive range. The notification provided a summary of the agency's evaluation of the proposal, including strengths and two weaknesses and the technical approach. On June 16th, Nixoff requested a pre-award debriefing, which the Library of Congress sent approximately two weeks later. The Library of Congress treated the letter that Nixoff sent as an agency-level protest, which it denied as untimely because it was filed more than 10 days after the protester was notified of the exclusion. On July 7th, Nixoff sent an email to the Library of Congress containing a formal agency-level protest. Having already considered Nixoff's prior letter, as an agency-level protest, the Library of Congress treated this email as an appeal of the contracting officer's denial of the agency-level protest. The agency's senior procurement official denied the appeal. On July 10th, Nixoff then filed a protest to GAO, arguing that the Library of Congress did not reasonably evaluate its proposal and that its exclusion from the competitive range was improper. The Library of Congress argued that Nixoff's protest should be dismissed as untimely because it was not filed with the agency within 10 days of when Nixoff knew or had reason to know it was excluded from the competitive range. Nixoff countered that its protest was timely because it was filed within 10 days of the conclusion of the agency's debriefing. Nixoff rejected the agency's consideration of the July 6th letter as an agency-level protest and argued instead that all of its prior correspondence was part of the debriefing process. GAO rejected Nixoff's arguments, 
noting that it failed to credibly point to new information provided in the debriefing that wasn't already provided in the notice of exclusion. Accordingly, Nixoff, says GAO, knew or should have known about these basis of protest, and the protest was dismissed as untimely. It's a good reminder for everyone about the importance of timeliness rules and care and clarity in communicating with the agency. Next up, we're going to pivot to Olivia Lynch, uh, who's going to talk about some really significant developments within the 8A program. Olivia, over to you. So the SBA has recently been enjoined from approving new 8A contract awards in certain circumstances. And with the coming end of the government's fiscal year, this has introduced a lot of uncertainty around use of the 8A program. Will this development most immediately and directly impact certain small business participants in the 8A program, any large government contractors teaming with such 8As on pending proposals or for new opportunities, either via a prime sub relationship or via a small business joint venture, should be paying attention. Briefly, on July 19, 2023, a district court judge in the Eastern District of Tennessee enjoined the SBA from using the rebuttable presumption of social disadvantage in administering the 8A program in the matter of Ultima Services versus the Department of Agriculture. For individual owned 8As, they must be 51% owned and controlled by one or more socially and economically disadvantaged individuals. Under longstanding SBA regulations, there was a rebuttable presumption that members of certain designated groups were socially disadvantaged. So the impact of this injunction decision has been immediate. SBA is developing a revised process for establishing social disadvantage that will not rely on the rebuttable presumption going forward. But in the interim, there's been numerous impacts. First and most impactful is that before an 8A award can be made to an individual-owned participant, that previously relied on the presumption of social disadvantage, SBA must make an affirmative determination that the individual upon whom eligibility is based has established personal social disadvantage. So until the new process is implemented, SBA has indicated that it will process individual claims of social disadvantage under the existing process that it has been using. SBA has said that where it has current pending 8A awards before it for approval, SBA is going forward and contacting such impacted 8As and requesting personal narratives to establish the requisite social disadvantage. Even if you're not aware of any pending 8As awaiting SBA approval, any 8As that are going to be impacted by this ruling should have their narrative ready to go so that when you're contacted by SBA because there's award pending SBA approval, uh, you can immediately upload your narrative to certified.sba.gov. I'll note awards to individual-owned participants that hadn't relied on rebuttable presumption and to entity-owned participants, such as 8As owned by ANCs, shouldn't be impacted. The second impact is that for any applications that were pending at the time of the decision, SBA is suspending decisions for any applicants that are relying on the rebuttable presumption. The third impact is that SBA has suspended the acceptance and processing of any new applications to the 8A program. And then finally, generally speaking, existing 8A contracts are not to be impacted, and contracting officers may award in-scope mods and exercise already priced options without obtaining SBA's acceptance or requiring a contractor to provide a copy of their SBA qualification letter unless verification of eligibility would otherwise be required. Great. Thanks so much, Olivia. Uh, obviously, a really important update, and we're standing by to assist clients and companies with questions about these important developments. Yuan, do you want to talk for a minute about uh, the Davis-Bacon Act developments? Perfect. Thanks, Peter. To close this out, on August 23rd, the Department of Labor issued a final rule that updates its regulations governing federally funded construction projects subject to the Davis-Bacon Act and related acts. Now, this final rule is the first significant regulatory update to the DBA since 1982. 
And among other things, it changes how DOL will calculate the applicable prevailing wage for any given worker classifications on a DBA covered contract when the default majority prevailing wage calculation is not possible. The updated rule will go into effect on October 23rd of this year, 60 days after it was published in the Federal Register. Now, the new regulations do create significantly more complex compliance obligations for federal contractors and subcontractors. So if you'd like to learn more, we have a detailed alert on our website and are hosting a webinar on September 14th. Peter? Great. Thank you all so much. That will wrap it up for this edition. This has been the Fastest 5 Minutes brought to you by Kroll & Mooring. See you again in two weeks. If you have any questions, I can be reached at 202-624-2807. Yuan can be reached at 202-624-2666. And Olivia Lynch can be reached at 202-624-2654. Thank you so much for joining. The Fastest 5 Minutes podcast is brought to you by Kroll & Mooring LLP. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy our show, please leave us a review. You can find more information at kroll.com slash govconpodcast. podcast.